Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Welcome to Freedom Rings, and I thank you for joining us for another episode. And today we're going to be visiting with U.S. Senator Shelley Moore Capito. And Shelley is from West Virginia. She has a long history of representing West Virginia and true love for public service. Shelley, welcome. Thank you, Marcia. Great to be on. Well, we're delighted that you are here with us. And you, as I said, have a long history of public service. You served in the state legislature, then the U.S. House, and now the U.S. Senate. And I, I would tell our listeners that really when you think about Shelley Moore Capito, what you're thinking about is a love of standing for freedom and standing up for people and talking about how you make life better for people. And that truly is what public service is. So what really inspired you to move into public service as a career? Well, I think that's a key question in terms of how my life sort of has rolled out over the last Several years, uh, I started, uh, you know, married fairly young at 22, had started having children and and stayed home with my children for several years. Uh, but I was raised in a political family, as you know, Marcia. I was exposed, uh, both my parents, my father being governor of the state, but my mother being an equal partner with my dad um, and very inspirational to me uh, in terms of what she was able to accomplish as first lady. And and so I went to dinners. I rode in parades. I watched election results with my parents all throughout my growing up. And so, so it was kind of a given in our family that you're going to be interested in current events. You're going to be want to want to be a part of solutions. But when you are raised in a family like that and you really do see like the impacts that that uh, a public servant can have on people's lives, whether it's big issues like creating kindergarten back in the day when my dad was governor or smaller things like helping somebody with an immigration issue uh, that impacts just a single family. And and so then uh, once our kids got to a certain age, I decided, you know, I think I'm going to try to stick my toe in the water here and see see how it works. So I, I started at the local level in Kanawha County in, in West Virginia, in Charleston, where I live. And it was a part-time legislature, perfect time, perfect way to see if I could get elected, number one, but what I could actually do and how how I would feel that whether I was being beneficial in service, and it just kind of revved me up. Every day, I loved being in the state legislature, and that sort of continued all the way through. Well, one of the things that I think is so impressive is that you have been someone who's broken barriers for women, and you have opened doors of opportunity. So you were the first woman to be elected to the U.S. House from West Virginia mm-hmm. and the first female to be elected to the U.S. Senate. I am. And, you know, it's something I'm really, really proud of. And I 
I try to use it as a platform to in, to uh, inspire that next generation to say, look, this is what a U.S. senator looks like. Uh, I talk about the things that I felt like when I was a fifth or sixth grade young lady trying to figure out, do I want to raise my hand in class? Do I want to speak up? Do I agree with a certain issue? And and, and try to build that confidence in those young, young women who are going to be leaders of tomorrow, whether it's in political arena or business arena or sports or whatever they might choose. And, and so, but I, I must admit, and I don't know if you feel the same way, as you're breaking these barriers of being the first woman to do this and first woman to do that, I really didn't think about it along the way. I, I, I felt like, you know, may the best person win here, regardless of male or female. But the achievements, I think, shouldn't be downplayed in our own minds because they are, I think, great platforms for the next generations to to build on and to have confidence on and, and to see women in in all different types of roles. And it's so important to role model that and to open those doors and then encourage young women to walk through those doors. And I think you recently had a young girl dress up as you <laughs> for a class program at her school. She did. She, it was the cutest video. Her grandmother sent it to us. And she had a little suit on, and she had her hair all combed, and she had a little briefcase, and she gave a speech. And it was about, you know, being me and, and what I believe in, and she'd obviously done her research. And But what a compliment to think that a, a young girl would want to emulate you, but also that it would be encouraged by the by the teachers or, or by her family. And uh, she, she did a great job. She's got a great future ahead of her. <laughs> Well, I I think that is wonderful when you think about how little eyes are always watching. And it is such a wonderful opportunity. And you and Charlie have three children. So you have children and now grandchildren. And you have that opportunity to inspire them. Right. So uh, talk a little bit about the issues that are important to Mm -hmm. you that you've put your time and energy into. Well, over the course of the last now 24 years, both at the state the, the and at, in Congress at, as a House of Representatives member and then over in the Senate, I, I've been very focused on my own state. Uh, my state of West Virginia, I'm very proud of, but we have huge challenges. We are a fossil fuel-based uh, economy uh, that powers this nation, by the way, and has for over 100 years. Uh, but we're in a transitional phase, as we know. And so it's important for me to be able to preserve those, uh, the jobs through research and innovation and to be able to have the next generation use of whether it's coal or natural gas. And so I've spent a lot of time in the energy area, uh, both on uh, prote- uh, worker protection types of things for uh, for mine workers and others, but also on uh, the trying to break through this um mentality that I think we we've seen over the last 20 years that that and all of the above energy policy is not something that's going to serve the nation. I mean, we're energy independent now in our country. We have uh, our greatest resources and and, and we're never going to stop that insatiable attitude a- appetite for energy, but we got to have a common sense 
kind of uh, approach to this and and that I've fought a lot on that. Uh, then the other things I've I've really focused on particularly and I know this is an area of your interest is the broadband uh, deployment issue all throughout uh you know in the digital divide particularly in rural America where we're behind. And you know the pandemic has shown us that this is really um something that is a necessity of life. It's not just an option anymore. Uh, I'm naturally drawn to healthcare issues. Uh, I don't really serve on the relevant committees there, but um, both of my parents died from Alzheimer's. Uh, I have a real uh, passion for uh, elderly and care of the elderly, and you and I have talked about this mm-hmm. as well. And yes. and so I think uh, that's that to me is something that sort of drives me personally to try to find solutions for families and for folks that are afflicted with with very difficult decisions in their lives. So uh, there's all kinds of things I'm interested in, but uh, it's all focused basically on what I've learned living and loving my state. And one of those uh, issues with energy, which is so vitally important, and you're so right about how West Virginia has helped to power our nation through an industrial revolution and has helped to power the economy uh, that we have built here in this country. And that has led you to work on infrastructure. Right. And you have been at the point of the spear, if you Mm -hmm. will, on infrastructure negotiations this year for the U.S. Senate. Talk a little bit about what you've learned there. Well, I've actually, uh, and I'm glad you you, uh, expanded on my answer there because I actually through uh, my House uh, membership was on uh, Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, and now I'm the ranking member on the Environment and Public Works Committee over on the Senate, uh, which is the lead committee on any kind of surface transportation issues and a lot of water issues. Uh, I put together a Republican response to the president's infrastructure package. Uh, I felt that the president was way far afield uh, in a definition of what infrastructure is. We think of it as physical infrastructure, as roads and bridges, uh, ports, um, transit, rail, airways, um, and broadband we have in there. So we tried to, I wanted to get to a response uh, with the president to say, this is what infrastructure means to us. And modernizing that will modernize our economy, will make lives easier, will bring us into, and we know we have issues with some of our failing bridges and other infrastructure. So that's the that's the impetus of, of how I started with this. And the president took me up on this in terms of wanting to talk to me about this. So I formed a committee of the ranking members that are the relevant committees. Uh, and I and I said, let you know, the, the the president invited us to the White House. President Biden invited us to the White House, and and so we back and forth and back and forth a few more than a few times. And over the course of probably five or six weeks, we tried to reach agreement, but the president kept insisting more taxes, more taxes to pay. We had a way to pay for this without raising taxes, uh, without onerous uh, user fees or anything of that nature. We, we couldn't reach agreement in the end. I think it was a good exercise because I think it, uh, I think it brought to the nation sort of a a view of what infrastructure really is it's not it's not other things like home health workers and free college and 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 concerns about daycare things we need to discuss yes but that's not infrastructure so in the end the president uh kind of uh, ended the negotiations 
negotiations just recently said we were too far apart. Uh, I was disappointed I couldn't get it across the line for for the nation, for my state, for the con- for our conference, our our GOP conference. But uh, it, I, you know, I feel like I made good uh, good headway. I just couldn't get it quite over the over the. Well, I I think line. you're so right in the definition of infrastructure, and so many people have been frustrated that they say infrastructure has evolved. But I like the way we define it in Tennessee, and certainly in Memphis, where we have a bridge mm-hmm. that is down right now, the I-40 bridge, um, which is currently under repair as we are uh, taping this podcast, Mm -hmm. Uh, but we talk about it in terms of roads and rivers and rails and runways, Mm -hmm. and that is infrastructure, and I think you and I each add broadband to that because that is the infrastructure that is necessary for modern-day communication. So talk a little bit about what freedom means to you and to you and Charlie and your family. Well, freedom, you know, I live in a freedom-loving state, which is a a state that uh, believes very much in our constitutional rights and uh, is uh, also a very caring community of of people in our state something we're very proud of so that's where i when i think of freedom i think of uh the freedom to speak uh to express opinions to uh to worship how you please to worship to read what books you want to read uh to to be able to uh live in this country and and to be able to um explore without the feeling of someone watching you over the shoulder or some, you know, um, um, politically correct movement, not allowing you to be free to express yourself. And, and I think that, uh, that is the core of it, along with the constitutional rights that we see. Of course, that's the right to bear arms and the right, you know, the freedom of the press and all of the great, freedoms that were granted uh, so many years ago that were so, I don't know about you, but when I walk around the United States Capitol and I think about the way our government was created, I am in awe of our creators, uh, our nation's creators, because they knew what freedom meant to them. And uh, sometimes I fear that it's chipping away. I think we all have that fear, and that is why West Virginia is so fortunate to have a freedom fighter <laughs> who is so consistent, and that is Senator Shelley Moore Capito. And we've only scratched the surface today. I know that you're going to be interested in learning more about her. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Capito4WV. On Facebook at Shelley Moore Capito for West Virginia and her website, Capito2020.com. I am Marsha Blackburn and delighted that you have shared some of your day with us at Freedom Rings. Thanks, Marsha. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com.
The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Ring.